So let's start with a song. Um, the boom doggle, doggle the boon. Stories told weekly, told in twos. If you like your stories full of shit, come back for the boondoggle because it's full of it. have it there's an intro for you um because this is the boondoggle podcast and i am alex boone and this is the story podcast this is the podcast where i tell stories from a book that i found i found it it's a book that i found um because a lot of people think i wrote it but i didn't um yeah, so it's where to tell stories from a book that I found in a bush. Okay, um, so yeah, and then just general rambling nonsense. As I said last week, it is weird doing a podcast on your own. I mean, I've done seven episodes now, but the fact remains that it's simply a man um, on his own. Uh, talking shit. But there are people out there that enjoy it. And so I'm... uh, You can effectively see me as a charity. But if people do want to pay me, I'm happy to accept payment. Um, Maybe I'll set up a Patreon. Ah, That can come later. I haven't even set up the Twitter yet. Um... Although by the time this comes out, I will have done. Just like, if you're, if you're trying to look for this on Twitter, I think it'll be called the Boondoggle Pod. It will be, unless that's taken. But who the hell would take that? Just popping in here to say that the Boondoggle Pod was too long. And Boondoggle Pod had been taken. So yeah, it's Alex Boondoggle now. So it's a different name for every bloody profile. All right, carry on. So I'm sat here in my... Some ASMR for you. Podcast jacket. My bright pink jacket. Um, This is my winter podcast jacket. We're not fully in winter yet. It's my, uh, you know, the autumn-winter season. If I was to bring out a boondoggle range, this would be in it. It's effectively... It's an old skiing jacket from uh, the 1980s, probably. Um, got it from a charity shop, but I don't have the guts to wear it out on the street at the moment. Um, I don't know if I'll ever will. I mean, to be honest, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be afraid, you know. It's a it's a bloody cool jacket. Um, bright pink goes down to my knees, and it's got like kind of white it's kind of shiny um but yeah it's my my house it's effectively like i wear it as if it's a dressing gown now in the summer in the spring summer season i had my kimono 
beautifully made by my friend Emma Doherty. If you want to get your own kimono made, again, I'm not sponsored by her, but uh, Quarantine Kimono, you can look for that on the Instagram. And she'll whip you up a, a cracking kimono, which I've got a lot of use out of. I mean, it's probably my most worn item of clothing uh, clothing over the last six months. And so I'd recommend it. Although, yeah, coming up to the... Uh, if you don't have the heating on in your house, I'd recommend getting one of these uh, old school skiing jackets that go down to your knees. Uh, and yeah, you'll stay warm. Uh, so that's that's an introduction, isn't it? That's an, that's more of an introduction than most episodes of this podcast. Okay, you hear this? Ah, let's go with this story. This is one from our old favourites. Uh, Randall Parker and Dorothy Crocker, the old uh, Wild West folk. Here we go now. The Wild West. Medium. The Wild Wild West in a nice place to be. Both into a family. Randall, Clark and Dorothy died together by airplane matrimony. And this story is called Randall the Big Papa. Randall Parker and Dorothy Crocker and little baby clerk shared two tents, Randall and clerk in one and Dorothy in the other. As I'm sure you know as well as I do, there's been the occasional bit of a spark and there's been, a, there's been the occasional spark of a little something between the two of them. A lingering eye, a cheeky smile, a squeeze of the nipple. But that's absolutely it. Two tents was the way it was. Especially because Dorothy basically needed a whole tent for all her makeup and clothes. I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. She's an outlaw. She's got one set of clothes and no makeup. She absolutely stinks. It was a quiet morning on the prairie when Randall pounced from his own tent into Dorothy's with such glee it was contagious. Dorothy, you gotta hear this. It's the boy. The boy clerk, he'd be talking the American language. It's the English language, dummy. And what language did you expect him to speak, jackass? Since the child has been so godforsaken, I would not be surprised if he grew up and speak no language at all. Randall's sincere sensitivity threw Dorothy out of her mood and softened her slightly. Oh, heck, Randy. I didn't mean to get you so down so much. Was it Papa? Was that his first word? His face fell. Why, no, it weren't, Dorothy. It were Randall. Oh, well, I'm pleased for you. It sounds real nice. But why weren't it Papa? I am his Papa. Why wouldn't he call me Papa? You ain't his Papa. You ain't his Mama. Heck, you ain't even his uncle. You're just some guy that found the kid on the floor of a bank. I am far more of a papa than I ever had. Even if you were a papa, how'd you think he's ever going to call you papa? He's never heard the word in his goddamn life. It is a goddamn life. This is a godforsaken world we live in. 
for sure. You should call me Papa. I ain't calling you Papa. Ain't calling nobody Papa since my time in the whorehouse. The what? The whorehouse, Randy, where the fellas get the old rumpy bumpy. You never been? Well, that's neither here nor there. Call me Papa. I'll call you Mama. Then Cluck and call us Mama and Papa. Now, why would I want that? Bad enough having to hang around with the kid without calling each other names. Please, Dorothy. There ain't many things I've dreamed of in this godforsaken life. For number one is to be a papa. A minute ago you were happy with being Randall. Things change, honey. Dorothy looked at Randy and could sense she'd touched a nerve. Day by day she was coming to realise he wasn't the hardened nugget she first thought. Deep down there was a sensitive soul waiting to get out. I'll call you Papa if you so please, but only as long as the kid can hear. When we up to our no good outlawing behaviour, for example if we're robbing a bank or fighting the local sheriff, I ain't calling you Papa, I got a reputation and I ain't about to lose it. Appreciate it, Mama. Don't call me Mama though, jackass. But ain't had no one to call Mama. What a pitiful sight you are. No idea how you ever got to be a sheriff. After this argument, a few weeks passed with little trouble. Dorothy called Randall Papa, and he responded with a slight smile. But there came a time when he started to worry once more about the state of the baby. Hold on here. If the kid ain't gonna call me Papa, unless you do. How the kid gonna learn such things as math to macadics and algebra? Shit, Papa! How did you learn them? Well, I, I ain't never known my sons. God, this is predictable. I was a godforsaken child. Yep, I should have known. You want me to teach you maths now? And cleric. Hell, how do you come to know maths anyway? My time in the whorehouse, you see? I had this guy, this John. Mr. Sums, we called him. Why? I'm getting to that. He was good at sums. You know why? The man got a kick out of him. Heck, I would do if I could do him. You ain't getting it. When I say a kick, I mean, well, you know, let's say we'd be over and done with bedroom-wise, the more sums I got right. Huh? You heard. He would ask me sums. Four plus eight, then I'd answer twelve. Five times ten, fifty. Eight times thirteen, a hundred and four. Boy, you should have seen his face after that one. He almost needed to stop right there. Heck, if I got one wrong, we're back to square one, you know? He just stops, sir, you know, working. We gotta build it back up again. Shit. I know. No idea how it came about. Some messed up childhood, I bet. God forsaken. 
You bet. Anyways, that's how I come to know my sons, Papa. More I got right, quicker we were done. And you know I wanted to be as done as quick as possible. I guess I could teach the baby and you if you so wish. You can learn maths without er uh, uh, those methods. Randall asked tentatively. Oh no, you're going to have to get your kid off. Randall looked at the baby, baffled by the implication. Boy, I'm kidding. I'll find a way of teaching you. The both of you. Normally. Randall's face lit up. Girl, we are glad to have met you. And the lessons began. Well, here's a kinky little story, isn't it? From the life of the the couple in the wild, wild west. Interesting way. I wonder what could have happened to um, to this Mr. Sums in his childhood that made him so turned on by maths. I guess we'd all like maths a bit more if uh, you know had that effect. But it doesn't. But you know, you can't have a go at someone just for what they're into. You know. Don't yuck someone's yum. If he, um, if he's into math sums, that helps him, uh, you know, come to fruition. Then uh, so be it. And well, it's had the benefit of teaching our friend uh, Dorothy sums in a way. She's learnt a lot in the whorehouse by the looks of things. And I expect in the future we'll see um, some more stories from her time in the whorehouse. Obviously, that's not what you'd call it in this modern day and age, but this was the Wild Wild West, and, um, you know, it's just like the language they would have used. They're not particularly uh, woke, as you may say, in the Wild Wild West. Because they had other things to worry about. Getting killed. So I've been watching um, this TV show called Alone over the past, I've just finished series two, and it's basically, they. you know how like there's shows like The Island, Bear Grylls Island, where there's like, they dump them on an island, but it's kind of set up, like, I mean, there's cam, like, there's there's loads of them, they're all together, and they're all filming each other, and I think... I think I've heard they put animals on there for them to kill and eat and all that. But you know they're going to be all right in the end. This show alone, they drop 10 people off separately, miles apart, on Vancouver Island, which is like this really cold and wet rainforest in Canada. And there's bears about, there's cougars, there's wolves, and they have to film themselves. And they've just basically got to survive for as long as they can on this island separately with just, they're given like 10 items that they can bring. Um, and yeah, so they've, they've got to survive. And it is 
amazing to like I had to after the first series I googled to check if anyone has actually died on it because that's proper encounters with bears and you know I wouldn't be surprised if someone had died on it I think they must have to sign something before going on it to say look if I die I can't sue the show and there's like a 500 grand prize fund so it's amazing it's uh it really just it really shows how much human contact um helps us out because at the end I've seen the end of two I just finished season two today and the climb the end of both of them just brings tears to your eyes because people you spend that long in the wild and you come to realize you know. I'm going to get all sentimental now. But you come to realise things that matter to you. Sure, they are doing it for the 500 grand prize money. But then when they're like... When they say what they want to do with the money, they've come to realise... Maybe they went in there thinking, oh, I'm going to buy a big house or something. But by the end of it, they realise the things that matter to them. And it's family. It's, it's just human connection. Um... Which is very relevant in these current times because a lot of people are alone. Um, I'm alone right now, for example, although I've only been alone for two days. But I'd love to be able to survive out in the wilderness for that long. And the relief when you get picked up, oh, it's 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 a beautiful moment. It's the like most pure joy in the world and uh i don't cry much at um tv and i wish i did more it's never sad bits it's happy stuff and this show oh it gets me and uh it's it's an amazing piece of tv so there's a recommendation for you got all serious then people come out with some sometimes you think they're putting stuff on for the camera um, like kind of trying to pretend to go mad in a way just because they know there's a camera there and they need to play up to it um, and I and the guy in the second series the guy who won the first series I was glad that he won it he was like he was a fun guy but the guy in the second one I was like until he won it I was thinking he's just a bit of a grump and he's um I don't know, he hasn't uh, engaged with uh, nature as much as he, as much as I would have liked him to. And then he won, and I was like, you know, he's he's learned some lessons along the way, and I think he deserves it, just through being stubborn. And he's obviously not a... His normal everyday life obviously isn't that fulfilling, so um, good on him. Let us can continue with story two of this week's episode. And the title of this story is called Legs Ahoy. And it's another one from our friend Toby McNaughty. When a man loves a woman 
he's seen on TV. It's a love that keeps him wedged in his own city. Now Toby McNaughty will track her down on a quest to find if true love knows no bounds. Toby had come to the conclusion the life of a wedged man was not sustainable and it wasn't worth living without Jennifer to talk to. Oh, oh, bloody hell. He wriggled himself out of the sofa, but his legs hadn't been used in so long that they forgot how to work. He collapsed onto the crap on the floor. The crap, crap meaning stuff. Not crap as in crap. Not there probably was some crap as in crap as well. Oh dear. All right. Come on, legs. Get yourselves together. You used to play football. Bloody brilliant footy at that. Until Desmond Fimonacci took you out. That was the end of our football hopes, wasn't it? Yeah, legs. 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 The legs didn't respond. Everything has left me. I've got nothing left. <laughs> he sobbed. He focused on his legs and spoke. Okay, legs. I don't care if you don't reply. I'm just going to tell you what you need to do. I just hope to bloody God that you listen. Up you get. Come on, legs. Up you get. His right leg twitched. Listen here, you fucking pieces of shit. You lazy slabs of meat attached to me. It's about time you start earning your place in my body. His left leg twitched. That's it. Maybe you put a bit more effort in, I wouldn't have to get rid of you. His left leg bent to the knee, placing the sole of his foot on the floor. Ah, so you want to stay on this body, do you? Well, maybe you won't tell your mate over there, old right leg, that he ain't safe either. The right leg bent. Here we fucking go. Now heave! He pushed himself off the floor and his legs unraveled to their full extension. They wobbled momentarily and Toby put his arms out. Don't you effing well dare. Once the McNaughty is up, he don't sit back down. For at least ten minutes. His legs remained upright and as is typical of humans, the rest of him did too. Come on. First, where are they? Legs, we've got some work to do. He plodded, around, he plodded around the room as if he were wearing the wrong trousers, gathering together all kinds of toot off the floor. Gotta find Jennifer, Legs. We don't know what we'll need. He swept it all into a rucksack and marched out the door. Legs, where are we going? Where's Jennifer? Where, where is she? Legs didn't reply. For bloody heck's sake, Legs, you're a useless meatbag on my body. Do I have to do everything round here? Oh, 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 okay. 
Jennifer works for Lovely Life. She does. Where the fuck is Lovely Life? He looked around him and saw no sign of Lovely Life. Right. So I can't find Lovely Life without a Lovely Life subscription. That's like a catch 48 or something like that. Bloody hell. Wait a shit in a second. Surely I'm not the only one with a subscription to Lovely Life. It's a fucking transnational corporation. So Toby McNaughty paced down the street, peeking into the front rooms of his neighbours. It wasn't long before he came across something hopeful. He banged on the door of number 37. Excuse me, DJL. Need to speak to Jennifer. Alright, so now there's uh, an old woman. I'm sorry. No, how did the old woman say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Would you piss right? Would you piss off? No, it sounds very posh. Hello, Northern. Hello. I'm Yorkshire. 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 Oh, I'm sorry. And please piss off. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, please piss off. I don't know any Jennifer. Came the voice of the old lady inside. Don't you fucking lie to me, madam. Come on, legs. Open sesame! He raised his right leg and kicked the door in. You do have a fucking Jennifer, because you're wedged to high heaven, right deep in your armchair. She was wedged in there, almost as deep as Toby. Oop, I'd say that's about nine days in your subscription to lovely life. Eight days? I don't have a Jennifer, dear. I've got a Clarence. Hello, hello. Good, good evening, Penelope. Good evening, Penelope. What can I do for you? Have you tried the Mega Suck yet? Oh, no. I, Clarence, I've not got around to it yet. It's just there's a man that's kicked me door in. He's looking for Jennifer. But I haven't got Jennifer. I told him I've got Clarence. You do, Penelope. I couldn't tell you where Jennifer is. Where's lovely life then? That's who you work for? Toby spoke up. I'm sorry, sir. I don't have to answer your questions. You, Penelope, ask the bastard where he's based. Or I can't account for what these legs will do. You don't scare me. There's just a couple of bags of meat. Toby swung his leg out, colliding with the mega suck vacuum cleaner. I cannot be responsible for these legs, you ridiculous wedge. He shouted. Oh my, oh my, what bleeding neck is going on? Clarence, tell the man where lovely life is based. Very well, Penelope. The head office of Lovely Life is Block A, 
Hold on up one second. Give us a pen, Penny. Is this in the modern times, mate? It's all digital these days. You useless old bag. He ran into the kitchen. Shut up, Clarence. Wait, stop. He pulled a knife from the drawer and began carving the address into his arm, screaming as he did so. Carry on, Clarence. Dream Park. Ah! Ah! Blood oozed from the wound on his arm. Bolingbrook. Bloody foot, Clarence. How much more? Grove. Bolingbrook Grove. Toby ran out of space on his arm. He lifted his shirt over his head and started etching it onto his chest. Shoreditch. Yes. Uh, their voices are very similar. Shoreditch. Yes. London. Postcode. EC1Y6GA. You fucking bastard, Clarence. Do you hate me? Is that it? I have no feelings towards you whatsoever. Toby left the house covered in blood, yet safe in the knowledge that he was one step closer to tracking down his sweet princess, Jennifer. Smashing job, legs. I think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> Onwards they strolled, the quest finally gaining some momentum. What lessons would Toby McNaughty learn along the way? Was it that violence has its moments of necessity, or that a man should give his legs more credit than he tends to? Perhaps we just don't know yet. Blimey. Some graphic stuff in that. Um, not very nice to imagine carving an address into your own body. Uh, I guess it's like a version of... Um, Memento, um, when he uh, tattoos things on his body or takes Polaroids. Uh, although, it's not that um, Toby McNaughty's got amnesia or anything. This is simply that he doesn't have a pen. And I guess, well, I guess another lesson we could take from it is that always carry a pen or a phone with uh, like a notes app on it that's fully charged. Um... Yeah, so I was coming up with those voices ad hoc there. And I realised that the voice of Clarence is slightly... It's, I mean, they're both Yorkshire or, you know, that area. But uh, so it's, uh, it was difficult to switch between them. There's a bit of difference, you know. Clarence is more like this. Hello there. Hello. What you doing? And then... Um, Toby is like this. He's a bit mumbly, but more aggressive. Clarence is more booming. Hello, hello. Um, but bad for the throat. And then the old woman, Penny, she was kind of just like a generic old woman, wasn't it? Like kind of like, I was trying not to go into dot cotton, but it's kind of, you know was a bit dark cotton but I'm not a professionally trained actor uh, here's a late review for you the Beatles they're pretty good 
Um, if you've only listened to the... Because when I was, you know, when you're growing up, someone just usually plays the old number ones, comp- well, back in the day, when it's when compilations were a thing, um, when CDs were a thing, you'd just, you know, someone would stick on the number ones, comp- the number ones, best of. But the thing is with the Beatles, that's not the best of. Because we all know that people don't choose the best things. The number ones of the Beatles, there's some good songs in there. They're the most, you know, cheesy, annoying ones. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you get into the, the, the meat of it. I was listening to the album Let It Be. And there's some there's some beautiful songs on there. Two of Us. Which I initially was when I heard when I saw that track title, I thought the Beatles didn't do that song, did they? Just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us. You and I no. But they they didn't do that. That uh, the the Two of Us by the Beatles, maybe even better. Beautiful song about um, Paul and Linda McCartney. Because I was thinking, Linda McCartney has probably had more impact on my life than Paul McCartney. Due to her smashing range of veggie products. Look, I'm 25. I was raised in the 90s. wasn't raised when the Beatles were the big thing. Uh, and it's easy to dismiss them in modern day, but turns out, you know, pretty cool guys. And I know the ACDC guys, and they're loud. Have you seen them live? Oh baby. Oh I know the. Oh I know the. Oh I know the ACDC. Oh I know the. Oh I know the. Oh I know the ACDC. Oh I know the. Oh I know the. Oh I know the ACDC. Oh baby. Oh baby. Okay, so the usual sign-off stuff. Got an Instagram, um, the Boondoggle Pod, at the Boondoggle Pod. Well, we will have a Twitter by the time this was out, and it will be um, at the Boondoggle Pod, probably. Probably not, actually, because that's too long, and Boondoggle Pod is taken. It is Alex Boondoggle. Get that into your thick skull previous version of me and last week I said the website wrong um, which was not very professional uh, and the website is theboondoggle.co.uk not the boondoggle pod it's the boondoggle because it will have the boon blog um, and it will have access to the podcast and then general news and nonsense um, hopefully we'll get some blogs things up soon and yeah so yeah check out the website and all that stuff because I'm basically a one man machine I I do all like you've got to forgive me for when I make mistakes because I'm a regular old Dennis Waterman write the theme tune sing the theme tune kind of guy 
Although I don't write the stories. I record them. I edit the podcast. I upload the podcast. I listen to the podcast. And then, uh, yeah, so that's me. And I made the website. made the logo. It's, you know... Although the logo is uh, it's based on something that my good friend Harry uh, made a long time ago. But I added the text to it. So, you know, cut me some slack. I do this all for the love of it. And for you guys. The Boondoggers. That's my fan base. You're called the Boondoggers. And so I'll say goodbye. See you later, Boondoggers. And keep on boondogging. Adios.